I think that this is a really, really cool opportunity to react to the culture mm. yeah. uh, in that we are seeing a world that is really suffering and we have the only message that will get rid of that uh, or that can combat that uh, and that can really shine a light into this loneliness. Mm. Um, and I think there's this interesting duality of, um, of the answer being us, but also the answer being God. Mm. Um, and it is all God, um, but it is also we're the only ones who are going to create communities that people can come into and realize that they're not alone. Welcome everybody to the Shock Absorber podcast once again here at the Third Space Studios in uh, Sorovival Kirawi and it's excellent yeah. to have you along with us. It's <laughs> excellent <laughs> to have a couple of other people along with me today. Um, we, we are talking about uh, culture in the 2010s and 2020s. Um, how we minister in that and whether we embrace or critique culture. Now, we had uh, Ian Hussey on last week or last episode and he was talking about uh, Australian culture because this is what the majority of his research is in. So we've, um, we took inspiration for this season of looking at culture through the lens of some artists that um, in particular the YouTube channel Polyphonic uh, likes to look at looks at culture and how they shaped culture. But because we had Ian Hussey on and he talks about Australian culture, we thought we would start looking at Australian artists to help describe Australian culture and whether we should embrace or critique it. And to do that with me, <laughs> I have two uh, two pastors from Sorrel Bible Church. First of all, I have Brayden. Hello. Student pastor of Sorrel Bible Church. How are you? I'm good. You have made appearance prior. Yeah, I have been the, the speaking voice. You were the voice on the David Bowie episode, yeah, I believe. Yeah. So, yep, check that out if you're, you're keen on checking that out about David Bowie. And also, Ethan Groshaw. Mm, hello. Youth pastor, Sorrel Bible Church. That's me. Feeling well? Feeling yeah. good? <laughs> You're the, you're the voice here. on the Kanye. Yeah, I was voice on. I was the voice on. Kanye. Yes, you were on the Kanye episode, yep. and you had, gave us lots of detailed information about Kanye and uh, well, Yay is now known as Yay. Yep. But yes, yep. but uh, no more American artists for the moment. No. We're going to be talking about Australian artists, yep. and the artist we've chosen for today is a, a, a very uh, influential artist in the last probably ten years, and that was by the name of well, the the band's name is Tame Impala. Brayden, you have a lot of experience and knowledge of Tame Impala, given that they were one of your favourite bands in high school, I yeah. believe. Um, well, who is Tame Impala and is it one guy or many guys? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an interesting one. Um, so Tame Impala is a band, I guess, um, but it's also one person. So um, Kevin Parker is the, I guess, artist behind Tame Impala. He writes, records all the music by himself. Obviously, when he uh, when he plays live, he brings along a friend, his friends, and they play with him. So it's kind of like um, Kevin Parker is Tame Impala, but then he hires his friends to play live when they need to do a live show, which is like a very interesting concept. But it's actually it's it's not a heaps new thing. I think it's become more prevalent with um, more accessibility. I'm sure we'll talk about too. Um, being able to record things more easily by yourself. So the band's like, there's a there's a band called City in Colour, which is a Canadian um, group that is the same kind of thing where Dallas Green writes all the music and then tours with a live band or even the first Foo Fighters album, Dave Grohl recorded and played every instrument mm. on. It's the same kind of mm. um, concept and it's an interesting concept and I think uh, it's going to be um, fun to talk about uh, yeah, the different aspects of... 
um, being a band and presenting yourself as a band because that's kind of a statement as well. Like um, you're not just presenting music under your own name; you're presenting um, music under yeah under, under a moniker. That's a choice, and it's a choice of how you're presenting yourself. And it's also what does that entail? Like, can you is it can you build more of a myth around a band than you can around just using your own name? I think there's a lot of interesting choices that go into something like that. But oh, I definitely it's it's so it's such an interesting choice. I feel like I and I definitely reflects a lot of um, yeah a new avenue for um, mm. people who are creating things. Um, you don't just it's not just you. You can build something bigger and present it as a whole vision, mm. which I think is something we're going to get into a little bit with Kevin and the way that he likes to um, control the whole vision and the way he um, can meticulously uh, bring it together by himself and present exactly what he wants. I think that's an interesting aspect of their music. But yeah, just personally, I think um, reflecting on this after um, Joel... I'm asked if I wanted to be a part of this podcast earlier in the week. I was listening to another podcast, which is um, a podcast called Who is Daniel Johns? Oh, yeah. And um, it's very popular at the moment in Australia. It's uh, a podcast, um, yeah, talking about uh, Daniel Johns from Silverchair. Mm, not just the, the singer and guitarist of Silverchair. Yeah, right? who's um, so not just his work in Silverchair, but across his life. And I thought it was very interesting. It just so happened I was listening to that this week. And the first episode, the first person they interview for that is Kevin Parker. Oh, wow. And he talks about um, the fact that um, as someone who was young in the 90s growing up, and he was growing up, um, uh, he was born in Sydney, but he grew up in Perth. Like He's most um, commonly known for being a big part of the WA music scene. Which is a little like, just like Perth, a little bit isolated, but yeah. like it's its own scene, right? Yeah, it really became its own thing, especially with Tame Impala and Pond and Gum and a whole bunch of associated acts, the Growls and stuff, who are all friends and all play yeah. in each other's bands, which <laughs> is another fun thing. But um, so Kevin was talking about how um, Silverchair for him was so inspiring because he was going, wow, these are some dudes in Newcastle, so mm. not even they're they're from New South Wales, but they're not from Sydney. These are some dudes from Newcastle that became rock stars, basically. That mm. created something like Frog Stomp that was so big and influential that it didn't matter that they were f they weren't from Sydney. It didn't matter that they're only fifteen years old. Yeah, they broke through, and wow. <laughs> he actually talked about how he was thirteen. And he was like, oh, I've only got two years left. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got two years left to, to, make, I, it. to make my frog stomp. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's, that really resonated with me because um, especially as someone growing up playing guitar in high school, when you start playing guitar, you start learning ACDC and Guns N' Roses, all this guitar-based music. I think it was so influential to see this band from, West, from Australia – Playing at the start, obviously he changes his sound and we'll get into that a bit later, but at the start playing guitar-based mm -hmm. music, playing music that, like, you wouldn't say that 60s, like, influenced by the 60s psychedelic rock would be the biggest Australian band, would end up being the biggest Australian band of the 2010s. I don't think anyone would have predicted that. But seeing someone playing the music that he wanted to play, the way he wanted to play it, and also um, breaking through... That and also doing it himself, mm. like so self-produced, um, having control, being able to do it at home 
and playing guitar-based music from Perth. I think what he describes with Daniel Johns and seeing Silverchair and being like, man, we can do it, yeah. is the same way that I think lots of, um, at least my friends who were playing music, um, felt about Tame Impala. We felt like, wow, these are the dudes from Australia who are killing it. Like they ended up, um, they ended up headlining Coachella. Mm. So, you, so you saw them as relatable. Yeah, like relatable, but also like, yeah, it made it feel achievable. Yeah. Because I think it's pretty easy to just go, well, I wasn't born, like I'm not in London. Mm. I'm not in, and even though we are in Sydney, which is, which is pretty cool and pretty massive. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy to be like, well, I'm not in America. I'm not in London. Like, like we can't do anything. I'm not going to get picked well, up by like a label. The, the last five, the, it's not even like, it's, it's just the last five artists we've spoken about have all... I think it's one English person and four Americans. Mm. Um, like, you, it's kind of easy to just be like, "Well, that's the hub of culture. Yeah. That's where we get culture from. Is from those. Um, is from other countries. From America or from England." Um, I think it's. Um, it's like yeah. a, you're saying it's relatable. It's almost like, well, we can have an impact on culture because yeah, exactly. Tammy Parlor are. Yeah. That's what's interesting, and like it's even when we spoke about David Bowie in the first episode of this season. Uh, one of the questions that David Bowie was asked in the Rolling Stone was, what instrument would you pick up now? Mm. And he said, a computer. Yeah. <laughs> and that that has an, a computer is what has allowed Kevin of Tame Impala to create a gigantic, he likes that wall of sound type of music. Yeah. He's able to create that uh, by using a computer. He can yeah. take, he can record a bass line and then loop it. And yeah. then he can record the drums over the top of that and loop that. And then yeah. he can do all that kind of stuff in terms of creating an album in order to, which then oh, we'll bring in guys later, but I can control this whole project myself and yeah. and then put it out to a wider audience rather than, oh, we got to just keep, it's, it's it's a sign of the times, I think, because it's, and, and possibly the internet, because he started putting his music out on MySpace and that's yeah. where he got first got recognised. But it's a sign of the times is that, even when you think about uh, going back to fifties and sixties and seventies rock, for example, you had to tour and tour and tour and tour and tour. I remember, like, because I'm a big fan of ACDC and reading, they would do three shows a night in Sydney. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. I want. I wonder if Kevin did three shows. I don't know if he did. You still got a tour to to get your your uh, work out there, but being able to record your stuff and put it out there it doesn't mean you have to tour and tour and get hope some A&R guy from a record well, label recognises That's you. the big thing as well. We were talking, we started this conversation by talking about Arts Tame Impala, are they a band? Is it an artist? Yeah. That's the other thing. You don't even have to, you used to have to find a drummer, yep. yeah. find a singer, find it. And he did like, he obviously has employed um, his friends to play live, but he didn't do that before he recorded the first mm. album. Yeah. He, so you don't even need to make friends, I guess. Like, <laughs> he, like not um, reflecting anything on Kevin because um, he's obviously a very popular part of that music scene. But that's that's the messaging you're getting. Like, hey, if you're talented enough to put this stuff together, and he is very talented, um, you don't need anyone else. You you just need a laptop, as you just said, with um, as David Bowie mentioned, which is so interesting. It's such a different way of thinking about um, the concept of a band and the concept of making music. It's like make music first, then get a band. Yeah. When the other way around for a lot of like 
years and years has been yeah. get a band, then make music, and then get recognised. Yeah, exactly. He's almost flipped it on its head. Yeah. Um, which is quite interesting. Uh, Ethan, before we move on to perhaps talking about some of those themes, I, f- I feel like we're pulling out some of those themes that we also relate to what Ian Hussey's been talking about is individualism and then also loneliness and how that can lead to anxiety and depression. As we like start that. talking about what what Kevin and actually actually sings about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Content. Any thoughts about Tame Impala before we get into that? I, I was sharing with Brayden that I have tried really hard to get into Tame Impala and because I'm like, yeah, all the cool kids are in it, um, into it, and it is it is not sank in at all for me, unfortunately. Um, not for lack of trying. Yeah. But, um, I think I've listened to most of the discog- discography, but I've just been like, yeah. yeah. Pretty. That, that's an interesting yeah. thing you've said there because um, Joel and I were chatting to a friend this morning. Um, a big, big fan of Tame Impala. <laughs> yeah, but what, what was his comment? I think you wrote it down about... Um, Tame Impala, like talking about not being one of the cool kids, is one of their yeah. One of the things, like one of the things that Kevin writes about is not being one of the cool people. Yeah. Um. And in terms of, well, I'm not going to be. It's almost like I don't want to be one of the cool people, but uh, I can still be an individualist. Yeah. I can still do whatever I want. And again, I think, and I think this is something that we need to talk a lot about in the Shock Absorber going forward is um, the internet. And the yeah. internet, I think we are living through the next industrial revolution in the mm-hmm. internet and how it changes how we communicate, how bands like Tame Impala get recognised. For example, Justin Bieber was recognised through MySpace. Mm. Scooter Braun found him in MySpace and yeah. said, this guy's great. And then Justin Bieber is one, one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Yeah, but it's also just so interesting how, um, and I think this goes for the grunge movement and Nirvana as well, how you can sing about being so lonely and isolated and not feeling not part of the cool culture mm-hmm. and how that can resonate with so many people and become the popular culture being anti anti um i guess anti the so popularist stuff yeah, that's going on like, like celebrity culture yeah, kind exactly, of like but like I'm at, like he's gotten he's become the popular culture by speaking out about how the popular culture makes him feel isolated. Yeah, and, and that the popular culture is is possibly only like what is presented as the the elite few. Like yeah. that's that celebrity culture thing is yeah. like oh you can't be like us, but you can you can idolize us. You can yeah. be like this. So it's almost like in the 2010s like, there was a big focus on like, you know, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and all that yeah. kind of thing, but it's almost like Kevin has recognize that and say oh i feel i can still be an individual but i don't have to follow this celebrity culture and then yeah. but by being anti-institutional another another <laughs> thing that we've talked about before yeah we can uh, i can flip that and actually speak to a wider range of people because well, that's yeah. actually how they feel with those kind of things like he's celebrity critiquing culture. what they're presenting and saying how he f- how it makes him feel lonely mm. and isolated and um like obscure but then all these other people are resonating with that critique and how they feel as well it's such an interesting concept to be to almost be like oh yeah i feel lonely as well like Mm. but together Mm. it's such an interesting also a perfect time to talk about it with uh especially in australia of um the at least two covert lockdowns in sydney for example there Mm. was more in melbourne Melbourne. worse (laughs) had melbourne had more wa for example have isolated themselves even more like yeah i mean uh, uh, most of wa is desert and then you just have the coast (laughs) most of the time and so that creates perhaps the wa music scene that we're talking about it's a little bit 
different, a yeah. little bit into psychedelic music a lot. Well, like, how long does it take to fly to Melbourne from Sydney? Like, um, as an hour and a half. Hour and a half, and it's what, six to eight hours to get to Perth? No, a little bit shorter than that. It's usually four to five. I yeah, think, that's heat. Yeah. 12 hours. <laughs> nine, nine hours to get to Perth. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, yeah. perhaps because it's been, it's an isolated area. And then, so mm. Kevin, growing up in that area, feels isolated from the rest of the world. Yeah, that's Celebrity culture, 2010s. Well, I'm going to talk about, like, he, his parents broke up, I believe, when he was three. Yeah. And then he went to move, move somewhere else and live with his dad and his stepmother, occasionally with his step uh, sister. Yeah. Um, and those kind of things perhaps influence his music a lot. And like even these 2012, his second album, right, 2012, I believe, Lonerism, is like it's called Lonerism because yeah, yeah. like he's really uh, calling on that. Heath, what do you reckon, like with COVID-19, yeah. uh, being a youth pastor, how do you think that uh, has affected this kind of age group where we've talked about how Tame Empire was really influential mm. in Braden when you were finishing high school. How do you think like that loneliness or, or f- perhaps feeling lonely, you might not be lonely, but you feel lonely. Mm. How does that, uh, what are you kind of reading for cult- from youth culture yeah. and how do we perhaps look at that and listen to that and, and um, embrace or critique it? Mm. I think um, one of the really interesting points that was raised was the fact that uh, Braden said that this guy, that Kevin, was talking about loneliness, yeah. and people heard that and were like, "Same, like that." <laughs> yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. And this yeah. is before there was COVID. This, oh yeah, and so I, I have a stat here from uh, between two thousand and one and two thousand and nine. So way way back, like before the period we're talking about. Mm. Um, yeah. Not way back, but like you know what I mean. Um, one in three Australians reported an episode of loneliness between two thousand and one two thousand and nine, with forty percent of these people experiencing more than one episode. Uh, according to a study of loneliness uh, using data from just household income and le- like, uh, and that's an Australian study from 2012. Uh, so they've they've done this big study and they found that there's this huge percentage of people that have really like properly experienced loneliness, mm. and that's in that's between 2001 and 2009. Um, we have seen uh, what has been described as an epidemic of loneliness after that um, mm. in the last like three years. Like really, even even before COVID, we had this huge jump, um, and I don't have as much statistics and science there. Um, but I was listening to the radio recently, and they—that's a rare in itself. Now, yeah, right? yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but um, but it was just this—it was a really interesting um, talkback piece, and they were talking about uh, the rates of uh, young women um, go, uh, attempting suicide. Uh, and hospitalizations as a result. Mm. Um, and it was a lot of it was anxiety driven and loneliness driven. So, as these. And further driven by social media as fully. well. And so, these girls were encouraged to call up, and, the, and the, the lady on the radio was like, I don't want any guys calling up. Just like, if you're a young woman, yeah. give us a ring. And it was amazing. I was like, I was sitting there being like, oh, how many young women are listening to the radio? And, this, and it was like, <laughs> this girl called up and said, oh, I just finished my HSC, um, and then went on this. Like they had this conversation about all that stuff. They talked about, um, they talked about COVID. They talked about social media, and they talked about loneliness, and they talked about all of that combining, plus all this pressure on um, social standing and yeah. being like the people on the internet. Um, there's just so many factors that all play a part in this, um, and something that that has that is often doing uh, is it actually separates people from one another. Yeah. Uh, in that there are so many factors. Um, like really impacting young people 
uh, so much so that they are withdrawing from each other um, and withdrawing into themselves uh, because I can sit and I was I was chatting to um, our produ- uh, uh, Brad actually on the Chip Lunch podcast yeah. and he mentioned that something that we can do as young guys is sit on Discord for three hours and play video games together and not talk. So we're together, but we're really not. Not interact- yeah. even interacting. We're not even interacting. We're playing video games separately in the same room, in the same digital room, mm. but not even saying a word. And and you could say the same argument for, that's a really cool example of Community. online bringing people together. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, it is, but at the same time, it's- It's not. It's really interesting that it's not because <laughs> yeah. it's the, these people are not hanging out together. Yeah. They're just there because they need something yeah. else mm. to be there, someone else to be there. Like. There's just two observations. Yeah, I think I think that's cool because it, uh, well, it's not it's not cool hearing about that. It's no. more just uh, it's cool to hear you bring that up. Mm-hmm. But I think um, just to go back on that um, point about um, girls increasing in self harm and suicide rates. There's the a rates are insane. There is a yeah. I've I've actually found a, a couple of stats here on a, it's from a Netflix documentary from 2020, mm. and it's actually got a, a sociologist by the name of Jonathan Haidt, mm-hmm. and he's written a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Yep, and he talks about uh, how um, some people when they're coming out of college now in the U.S. are struggling with dealing with actually life. Like mm. everything's been given to them, mm. so they and the helicopter parenting and all yeah. that kind of thing have made life really hard for them. Yeah. But he um, tracks the uh, basically the introduction of smartphones from around two thousand and nine, and social media came, or social media came onto mobile devices at around two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and the suicide rates um, for girls aged between fifteen and nineteen from two thousand nine to about two thousand nineteen have gone up seventy percent. Gosh. And wow. girls ten to fourteen has gone up one hundred and fifty one percent. It's it's immense, and it's That's it's like it's such uh, a huge scary that, um, yeah, that is really really scary, and um, so much so that there are people all over the world uh, trying to find different ways to solve this, mm. um, and react to the culture that has been created of loneliness. Mm. Uh, and one of those things that they've been trying to solve it, as Braden mentioned earlier, that. Um, before the podcast we were chatting about and then I gave her a little Google. Um, but the idea that people are trying to solve the issue of loneliness by making a drug for it. So instead of creating community and like whatever, they've they've um, uh, they've identified that it is something, a hormone um, called preg, pregnant, pregnant alone. Um, <laughs> it's a hormone produced primarily in the adrenal gland. Um, that hormone has... Uh, shown positive signs of reducing levels of anxiety. Um, and so they are using, uh, they're trying to get that hormone and put it into a pill um, to attempt to reduce. So you just take loneliness. it when you're lonely. Yep. Yeah. Take it when you're sad. The sad the, the, it's a happy pill. I think it's, it's interesting how as a world we come up with ways of addressing, like band-aiding the problem. Mm. Yeah. Instead of like, we'll find a pill to, to make us less lonely rather than like, well, why are we lonely? Mm. Yeah. Um, and and just the things we try and replace, um, like God has set out, given us um, guidelines and things mm. to take care of each other and take care of ourselves in the Bible, and just the things that we try and use instead are so interesting. Well, I was just thinking, as Ethan was saying, like we'll, we'll, we're happy to enter a world of. Um, Video gaming, which is just, yep. it's becoming more and more real, realistic, sure. right? And, yeah, I, yeah. and I'm not going to demonize video games because I like to play video games too. Mm. But 
when you perhaps enter a world of that video games for three, seven, ten hours, yeah. you, you're perhaps entering that world in order to address your loneliness. But supposedly you're hanging out online, but you're not even talking to each other. Mm. Yeah, that well, you're probably still band-aiding the solution. Like what? Yeah. Like where you spoke about guidelines, Brain. I'd love you to to go back and. Or, talked about like what why are those guidelines important that god's given us i feel like we've been we've made to be relational yeah i do i do really want to quickly jump in before we move on go uh and say that uh, i'm not a scientist and so when i was saying those science words um <laughs> i definitely could be wrong um there's some I'll, I'll get joel to link the article that i was reading um that has that unpacks that better um and yeah sorry i just wanted to yeah, i just yeah. wanted to say and that i think that's, that's, that's right. don't go that's away a, and say that Another Ethan, Dr. Ethan, Dr. Ethan told me, Doctor Ethan, Ethan said. and that's. I think that's another very valid Sorry. thing. Like we're talking a lot about. We're gonna. We have been talking a lot about loneliness, and we've mm. talked about things like suicide and um, depression rates. And I think if you do are feeling those way, yes. those ways, we have um, lots of resources mm-hmm. that we'd love to point you out. If you want to contact any of the pastors here at Soul Revival, there's lots of resources through the Anglican Church, which is where we're a wider member of. Yeah. Or even if you are in immediate trouble. Call Triple O or yep. um, Lifeline. Lifeline as well. There's yep. there's lots of options and uh, yeah, we're we're pastors. <laughs> we're not experts on um, these type of things, but <laughs> we're just looking at the culture and critiquing mm-hmm. the culture. Yeah, I think um, yeah, if you are really struggling with these things, there's lots of um, ways to reach out, and um, we'd love you to find help with those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, coming back to um, Hussey's research, he says that anxiety anxiety related conditions were most frequently reported. In a, in a survey that he's talking about, but those 2.6 million people or 11% of the population have reported feeling anxious and it probably doesn't include the people that have not, have not re- reported that, but yeah. also that eight Australians commit suicide each day and six yeah. of them are men. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that suicide is the biggest killer for men under the age of 44. Yeah. Um, and like you just started, going back to your question before that, Joel, yeah. where you were asking about um, the community, I think it's... Um, God has set out, um, like blessed us with each other in the, yeah. the Bible. And um, I think um, that's meant to be uh, such an important thing that we are communal people. We created to be in relationship with God, but also to be in relationship with each other. And I think, um, yeah, when we're talking about loneliness, it's uh, it's it's such an interesting um effect of um, the technology and the way that we live life now is obviously very different to the way that they lived life 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, technology becomes very individualised. Yeah, right? exactly. So it actually makes sure that, that talking, going back to that Band-Aid thing of like, well, it's individualised, mm. so you're going to get a more individualised Band-Aid yeah. for these things. But I don't, and I think what you're saying is, Braden, I'm sorry I jumped in there. Oh, it's all good. But uh, God has the ultimate solution he doesn't have a band-aid solution he has yeah. the ultimate solution he has the solution the, the solution yeah. yeah and he that is about being in community yeah and he's made us all different to be introverted extroverted blah blah, blah but he's made us to be in community yeah um I, I think just really quickly on that um i recently read a book called um on death by timothy keller uh it's a really really good book would recommend and in conversations with that i I went into it being like, oh, maybe this is going to be a really sad, depressing read. Uh, and then I thought about it for a second before I even read it. And I realized, actually, no, there is no way a book by a Christian on death could be a consistently depressing read. 
And the reason for that is that it is so optimistic it's and so mm. like, because th there is so much hope um, and that no matter what can happen on this earth, we have a God who is better than it all and bigger than it all and has the solutions for it all. Mm. Um, so even death, um, like, so, but in particular loneliness is like, God is a God of relationship and community. Like we see that in his very nature yeah. um, as, as a Trinitarian God. Uh, yeah. He is relationship. He is, um, he is togetherness. And so when he, and when he creates us um, in Genesis, we see that um, uh, Genesis 2.18, it says, it's not good for the man, Adam, uh, to be alone. Like, and he says, oh, I need to make, um, uh, his solution is he makes a companion uh, yeah. for, for him. And it is a, like, it's such a beautiful thing that God is in control yeah. this whole time. And yes, we are, uh, we are, we are tainted by sin, uh, and and thus we uh, live in a world where loneliness happens, and yeah. thus we live in a world where death has sting, and where a sinful world where we sin against each other. Yeah. And, and I think that was yeah. such yeah, a powerful thing that Michael Duckett was talking about a couple yeah. of episodes. Massively. And like, if you haven't listened to that podcast, oh, stop, please, stop listening to this, this one. one. Go and listen, listen to, the other to that one because yeah. he articulates um, these uh, these concepts far better than I ever could and yep. from a far more wise perspective. Yep. But talking about how we can we have restored relationship with each other mm. only through God yep. and only through Jesus and only through what he has done. And that is the way that we are able to relate to each other, even though some um, aspects of our society have done horrible things to mm. other people. It's only through that restored relationship through Christ that we can have restored relationship with each other. Mm. That's such a powerful message and so as we respond to loneliness uh whether it is in youth culture or i don't think it is just youth culture at all I like i think it is um like i can i can come at that from that angle because that's where i kind of do a lot of my thinking um but when we respond to loneliness in culture um i think one of the greatest responses is the community that god gives us yeah and so using that and working with that um to yeah, to, to love one another so much mm. that we don't feel alone. Yeah, I mean, like Jesus is building his church. We just need to partner with him fully in order to understand the community that he wants us to be part of. Yeah. I just want to go back to Kevin uh, uh, Kevin Parker quickly. Yeah, he was saying as a younger teenager, he had periods of where he felt lost and alone, where he said, I didn't have the most solid family life. I didn't have a solid base to fall back on there. So I was tackling a lot of things on my own and I was just lost. I remember thinking, I've got no one. I remember once when I was 15 or something around that age, I was brushing my teeth and I just broke down crying. I felt so alone. He also says that his 2012 album, Lonerism, validates a lot of the feelings he had as a teenager. and But it also had this weird hopefulness to it. Maybe that's the charm of it. Maybe that's why it's done so well. So perhaps he's pulling these, uh, mainly the loneliness aspect out of culture and then trying to provide a hopeful response to that. But I think that, what you guys have both been saying there is that well we have the solution we have the solution to the loneliness yeah the jesus shaped the jesus community that he builds him around himself that we can be a part of what i wanted to ask you though is we always talk about in the shock all of like well we we know these things happen in the culture mm. how do we critique and embrace it as hussey says and what's our again our response to that we can we can say we can say to people, well, well, God's not lonely or God God doesn't allow you to be lonely. But what is the practicality of that? When, mm. when do we, how do we listen to people? Because I think that's really important. That's something we really learned 
over a number of episodes, but particularly in the Michael Duckett episode, mm. was how do we listen to where people are at and what do we, what, how do we help them to realise that Jesus doesn't want them to be alone and his community is a, is a, is a real refuge for people that, aren't feeling, that, that are feeling alone. It's a very big question. It's a huge question. Is there a way to is there a way to rephrase that to a few words? Okay, Kevin. <laughs> Kev, Kevin says in his 2010 uh, on the 2010 album "In a Speaker" in the mm-hmm. song "Solitude Is Bliss." Nothing else matters. I don't care what I miss. Company is okay. Solitude is bliss. Um, <laughs> that's a tough question, isn't it? So, so um, this is not just a thing that happens to Kevin, like mm. this has been a thing that's happened for a long time and, and people observing culture has have seen that. Um, uh, Joe Carter uh, explains this phenomenon. I, I don't think he's given it a word, um, but he's looking at, um, because loneliness is a state of mind characterized by a disassociation between what an individual wants or expects from their relationships or social interactions and what the individual experiences in their relationships or social interactions. Um, because of that, because loneliness is like that, People can be lonely while surrounded by others. Uh, isolation and loneliness are not the same thing. And so we see this idea that, um, that uh, people like in that Guardian, that, that, that um, thing I was reading about the, um, the pill for loneliness, um, they talk about uh, loneliness as a subjective experience. Is how they is what they say there. That's interesting. Uh, and so you can quite easily be because you're feeling isolated. You're not necessarily feeling alone physically, but you're yeah. isolated in the way you feel, in the way you think, in the way you expect others to be in relationship. Um, yeah. And so even even in big groups of people, we could be um, feeling alone. Yeah, um, and like so, Joel quoted a song. I'll quote another song. <laughs> so. Um, Kevin has a song on lonerism called Why Won't They Talk To Me? And it's mm. pretty much all about that concept of being in a group but the internal thought process of why aren't these people, why don't these people want to talk mm. to me? What's wrong with me um, that they don't want to communicate? And like then going through that and and even processing like, oh, well, why do I even care about it? So he literally says, but why do I even, why won't they talk to me? But why do, why don't, why do I really care anyway? I wouldn't listen to a word they would say. They would just talk about themselves all day. So he's even internalizing that like, well, I don't even really want to have a conversation with these people, mm. but yet I feel so alone yeah. because they don't mm-hmm. want to talk to me. Which is, yeah, like I think what you're saying about being lonely in a crowd. And I think that's why Kevin's music is so popular is he's writing about experiences that a lot of us have had. Mm. A lot of the artists that we've looked at over the last few episodes have talked about that duality of, and this is something we asked uh, Ian Hussey last week, the duality of uh, Kanye West, for example, is Mm. (laughs) a very powerful, a very wealthy individual individual encourages the pursuit of consumerism yeah. um, and, and wealth and power, yeah. but then it realises this pursuit isn't something that isn't really going to bring full satisfaction. It might yeah. for a little bit, mm. yeah. and that's the temptation of sin, right? It might yeah. for a little bit, but uh, towards the end or at some point, it's like when we're going to realise, oh, this isn't what we wanted. Yeah. I think uh, uh, the discography of Tame Impala is, is also a picture of that, of 
it's cool. I want to have perfect control and uh, make my uh, my full artistic expression. I uh, can if I don't have to compromise, then I don't have to be a part of anyone else telling me what I need to do. And I can record my album however mm-hmm. I want. Yeah. I can record it on a computer and put all the pieces together. And I can even put it out and people will listen to it. And I can sign a record deal. Then mm-hmm. I can get the people to play with how yeah, I want yeah. it to. But it seems like as you go on through his albums he starts to realize, well, this is also exhausting doing this, like just yeah. making it all about me. But then also getting to the point of like being in solitude so much actually takes more energy to actually shut people out mm. and be really, really wearing on me. So then if you look at his final album, his last album so far in 2020, The Slow Rush, it's almost like he's dealing with, I have to get out of that. And it talks about how he, he became married Oh, sorry, he got married, and in um, the song "Is It True," which is one of my favourite songs in terms of like it's got a real nice groove to it. <laughs> but in "Is It True," he says, "And I tell her that I'm in love with her, but how can I know that I'll always be mm. that I'll always be in love with her?" Yeah. So it's it's almost like I've moved on in my life, but I'm I'm still trying to deal with my loneliness and that individualism of I can do whatever I want. But then, oh, now I've entered a, a marriage and a relationship where. It's not just me. It's a compromise, yeah. It's yeah. That, and it's not what he yeah. how he records his music. So how how do I know if I tell her I'm in love with her now? But what if I'm not later? Mm. Yeah. Like I think it calls yeah. out so much stuff in our culture of Fully. we'll do. I can do everything myself. I can do yeah. whatever I want. Yeah, and I think the slow rush. Um, so right at the end of the 2010s, obviously being in 2020, mm. but like I think it, um, it, we've talked a lot about the themes of loneliness and. I think uh, the slow rush is such an interesting um, look at how time is perceived in our culture mm-hmm. and how in time is always running out. Time is finite and, um, yeah, you're always chasing that or looking back on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, a lot of more of interesting themes, uh, like, again, addressed on that latest album, talking about, um, yeah, that feeling... Or addressing how time is... Uh, slipping away. Is, yeah, it's slipping mm. away. You can't control it. Yeah, exactly. And that lack of control, whether... I guess it's lack of control in the earlier albums, talking socially, but now lack of control just in terms of time is uh, such an interesting but big concept in today's culture. I think we were talking about apathy earlier yeah. before the mm-hmm. podcast and how big of a challenge that is when talking... Um, Looking to evangelize, mm. as you were saying, about yeah. how apathy is one of the things that you feel like you deal with most when trying yeah. to talk to people about the gospel. Do you want yeah. to expand on that? Well, well it's, I think it's defined for the what do you mean by apathetic. Like, if people are apathetic, does that mm. mean they're just like, oh, I don't care? Yeah, it's it's pretty much that. It's just this big culture of of I really don't care what you have to say, and I don't care what God has effect on my life. What effect God has on my life, and I don't care what other people think. But because tr- because because it's that you do you mentality that you were just chatting about. Like, but the funny thing is, the flip side of that is like I actually do care what everyone else thinks, mm, and that's yeah, why yeah. I have that apathetic nature. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's but it's this idea of um, like I think it would almost be easier. It is easier when people are opposed to me when I am attempting to evangelize, because when they are opposed to me, they're thinking about it. When they are apathetic to it and they just don't care, there is just this really, like you can see the glaze and then it's like, yeah, cool. Like your opinion's sick, um, but that's your opinion. Um, and I 
I'm going to do my own thing. But the lack of engagement with any kind Fully. of opinion yeah. or thought for, thought process yeah. is showing that there's there's not really any development of it's and it's delaying. It's it's also almost like delaying that. Mm. Like I don't want to, you know. There's a, a talk about how the adolescent in um, we we delay adolescence, especially mm. in young yep. men growing up, because like it's just like well, you just celebrate who you are and be who you want to be forever. But then. It seems like something that Kevin's pulling out is that well that can lead to isolation and loneliness. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and so I think I think something that's really interesting about this whole isolation and loneliness discussion, compared with all that, um, is that is that God comes in with that solution, and that's where all of this kind of arrives to. Like mm-hmm. we can talk about the the fact that the culture is like, and and and, and the problem with the apathy is that when you can say, okay, what's your problem? And they say, oh, my problem is loneliness. The apathy is hard when you can say, oh, I have the, I have the solution mm. to that. I want to chat to you about I it. I want to chat to you about that. Like I, I can, we, can, we, can, we can fix this. Like we can't fix this, but we, I know who can. Yeah. Um, we, uh, C.S. Lewis uh, famously once said that um, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And we are living in a, in a deaf world. Mm. Uh, and when we see this, this, this pandemic of loneliness, for lack of a better word. Um, uh, I've, epidemic. I've, epidemic, yeah. <laughs> um, the, this particular, like, loneliness is a particular form of suffering. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I'm just reading on this... Uh, this thing that I found uh, a little while ago was that, um, that this particular form of suffering, loneliness, drives a person to God because in the midst of our isolation, there is or feels as though there is no one left to turn to except God. Yeah. And so we can, we can I think, something we can talk about in the Shock Absorber podcast is how to do church to help and how to build community to help people um, be, in a, be, in, be in a community together and that thus solve loneliness. But I think... As much as we do that, like as much as God builds that community through us and through our relationships with one another, at the end of the day, maybe what some people need is they need to be able to call to God and break through that apathy and see, actually, <laughs> I, I have no one and I have nothing, mm. but God's there yeah. and he loves me and he wants to be in relationship with me. Mm. And then in the, that relationship with God, you realize, oh, actually, I am surrounded by all these people at church. Or, or I can get myself surrounded by all these people at church, uh, and then we are able to go. How do we how do we build that community with one another um, to 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 combat these issues practically? Because it's like the apathy is a result of not wanting to experience suffering. Mm. So if you don't want to engage, if they're apathetic about even talking about God or Jesus or anything like that, it's well. If I have to engage in that, if I have to think about it, if I have to challenge those supposed societal pressures of be yourself do mm. whatever you want that's hard yeah that's hard like yeah. i i True engage that. in a society and especially uh people younger than yourselves yep. i mean yeah. entire society dominated by the internet has told me you can watch whatever video you want play whatever video yep. game you want whenever you want whatever yep. time all that kind of stuff that's easy yeah when you have to engage in a conversation about something being hard mm. it's hard yeah <laughs> and but again, as you, your C.S. Lewis quote points to, mm. we need to suffer as Christians yeah. because that's where we are. Like, you, you know, talk about God talks about refining us by fire. But it's also the only time we listen. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, so it can be the only time it, we it listen. It can be the only time we listen. Like, it says there that like, God whispers to us through our pleasures, 
Like he's there in our pleasures. Yeah, and but he's we are giving us the pleasures. And he's like yeah. all of that is, is, is we are getting like, oh my gosh, God, you are so good that I have got X or I've got Y. Like um, mm. I'm, getting, I'm getting married uh, in January and I'm mm. so stoked uh, about that. And part of why I'm so stoked is because I reckon my wife is really cool. Um, <laughs> and future wife. My future wife is really cool. <laughs> um, and, and that is a really cool mm. um, experience to have as a relationship. Um, but at the same time, like it's it's so easy to then forget that God is the thing that the reason that that mm. all happened. Our pleasures, like the pleasurable stuff, leads us to think we've done it on our own. Yeah, fully, massively. Um, yeah, and I think and uh, what is what is really interesting is that alongside that need for need for pain and potential need for loneliness, um, God uses that right um but throughout the bible we see examples of loneliness so we we have um we have naomi uh we have david for example david has heaps of psalms about loneliness while he was on the run um and we have uh yeah well, they're, they're just two good examples of um naomi for example was given ruth god was like here you go like you, you do need a person and uh same with david david got out of that situation and was not uh isolated for the whole time and um and we see in we see in Hebrews uh, that we are encouraged to never give up meeting together, um, because that is what we are called to do, um, and that is the community that we've been given by God. Mm. Like, as, as much as loneliness may end up being important or or may be used as a tool, God is giving us so much in church or in relationships um, that He is providing. It's quite amazing. Mm. I mean, there's a quote from um, that I found from uh, a writer called Josh, Josh Terry, and that was in Vice in 2010. And he, he talks about Tammy Pyle. He said, Tammy Pyle is the artist of the decade for the 2010, where he wrote, no artist captured how genres cross-pollinated throughout the 2010s better than Tammy Pyle. But then he goes on to add, in the age of streaming and the big box festival bubble, Parker's discography seems factory made for both a crowd of thousands and a chill night alone with a vibe heavy playlist mm. and that his music embodies his the technology driven sense of loneliness of this decade better than any of his peers mm. I think there's a really good way to sum up Tammy Parler's impact on the culture or perhaps Tammy Parler reflecting the culture Brayden as a Tammy Parler fan mm. Having this conversation, does that change your opinion of Kevin or perhaps that he's actually a very good cultural artifact that actually reflects what's going on and helps us decide whether we embrace or critique? Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing and an interesting question you can ask with lots of um, secular artists. Um, I think he's very musically talented. True, Um, that's right. Taking taking away lyrical content, as he said, he can write a catchy groove. He can certainly is um, very melodically talented and um, technically musically talented. Um, But yeah, I think um, lyrically and culturally, um, he's just espousing what is a very popular cultural belief at the Mm. moment. I think... um, I think... A cultural experience. Well, yeah, it resonates with a lot of people for a reason because a lot of people feel like that. And I think um, it's our responsibility as the church... Um, to again it, embrace or critique that culture, mm. and um, as Hussey said, so 
I think I'm still a fan of his music. <laughs> I, I, I think he writes uh, catchy music and good music. Um, am I going to say that it's music that will um, help you in your Christian walk? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but most music is like that. So, um, yeah, I think... It's that's a interesting, but probably a completely different conversation. <laughs> yeah. no, that's cool, but I think yeah. it's been a really good way of looking into what we face, perhaps in Australian culture, because yeah. that's where the, where we're going, the road we're going to head down with um, looking at uh, Australian artists. Now that we've looked at um, Australian culture with Ian Hussey, uh, is there any final thoughts on uh, perhaps loneliness, isolation, and where we could go in terms of listening? Um, I think that um, I think that this is a really, really cool opportunity to react to the culture mm. yeah. uh, in that we are seeing a world that is really suffering and we have the only message that will get rid of that um, or that can combat that uh, and that can really shine a light into this loneliness. Mm. Um, and I think there's this interesting duality of... Um, of the answer being us, but also the answer being God. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it is all God, um, but it is also, we're the only ones who are going to create communities that people can come into and realize that they're not alone. Um, I think it is a really, really beautiful thing. Um, and the reason I brought up that on death book was because I want to talk about how, like we have been talking about some really heavy stuff the whole time on this podcast, but it is so easy to talk about how heavy this is. Um, but at the very end of that, throw into, no, but it's okay. Like, and cause, cause God's got it. Um, and I think that we need to be able to try and live that out with the people that we're ministering to yeah. um, and the people that we're sharing the gospel with. I feel um, like we can, through being inspired by God's love, we can embrace the people that are feeling lonely, yeah. but critique the reasons that they are yeah. lonely. Massively. Yeah. And I think that's where Jesus allows us to do. It's very a good cool. way to finish, guys. Very yeah. good way I think. Finish. Thank you very much for your time today. No problem. On the Shock Resolver podcast. It's been very, very fun. Yeah. Um, we should say uh, we are wearing quite a few pieces of Sorrel apparel. Uh, well, Ethan and I are. I've <laughs> got the Shock Resolver shirt on. He's got the Sorrel shirt on. We've got the Love God, Love Heather's hat on. If you're interested in that, guys, uh, visit... <laughs> zoomed in right on the camera. Mm. Visit sorrelrevival.shop to check that out. Um, and you can also catch other podcasts like the Chip Lunch podcast where we talk about people from uh, Sorrel Revival Church talking about their Christian walk and how they became Christians. Mm. Uh, you guys are on that podcast too, aren't you? We are. Oh, occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> yeah, that's twice. Right. Um but let's keep talking about this. If you've got any comments, chuck it in the Discord. You can email me at joel at shockazorba.com.au. Uh, we want to keep talking about this. We're going to make a real effort towards having greater conversations around this after each episode. So mm. if you want to get involved in that, jump on the Discord or we can ask questions during the podcast. Also put questions via email, like I said. Especially and with a point like this. Like yeah. we have not even scratched the surface. Yes, like really. Completely. Like yeah. this is such a huge and there's so many other facets and layers. And I think like maybe maybe because I'm new, but I'm feeling uh, it's like I've got this underlying level of anxiety being like, oh, I haven't covered everything. And there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's niches to the things I've said. Yeah, everything. Like nuances to the things I've said. But yeah. like, very, but yeah, there's, we want to continue. Well, but no, it's, it's, it's actually a, it was a thought of, um, wanting to get it right. Mm. Um, but we were never like, it's, it's not going to be 
this because this is a conversation um, as is mental health as which we talk about often um, it is a it is a conversation to be had um, not just a quick fix yeah um, exactly and that's or, the point of the shock was all about listening yeah. to the young younger christians their cold face of cultural change and we have slightly older christians and or even older christians who can help us deal with that um through their biblical wisdom so um i really appreciate your time guys thank you so much thank you everyone for listening and or watching we really appreciate it and we'll finish up with a one way one way, one way.